You're listening to the Urban Warfare Project Podcast from the Modern War Institute at West Point. I'm John Spencer, Chair of Urban Warfare Studies at MWI and host of this podcast. While this episode isn't strictly about urban warfare, it covers subterranean or underground warfare, and you cannot separate underground or subterranean spaces that populate almost all dense urban areas, whether it's man-made infrastructure for transit and telecommunication and sewer, or enemy dug tunnels between buildings to increase their survivability. You're going to run into underground warfare in urban environments. My guest on this episode is retired Sergeant First Class William Rothrock. So, William, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I love being here, man. Thanks a lot. So, uh, you have three separate times, and let's talk about the first one where you yourself had to enter the underground, which I think is most people, uh, you know, the 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 fear factor would immediately jack up. Um, and we talk a lot about that, the psychological aspect of it, but I really just want to hear from your, your side on how did you find yourself having to go underground? Okay. Um, yeah, we, I was with the 10th mountain, uh, uh, early in the uh, war in Afghanistan and we had moved into a new area and we were, uh, going to kind of establish a, a little fob there. And, uh, it was, my squad, I was a squad leader and with some other guys and we started patrolling the area, uh, just doing our initial, you know, security sweep. And we found a well, uh, in our compound. When I went over to take a look in, one of my team leaders, uh, walked up, leaned over and I saw his icon drop through my flashlight, um, into oh, the man. well. His radio dropped into the yeah, well? Oh, yeah, it was a well. Yeah, I mean, it was a. It, I mean, it was clearly a well, and we we're going over there to take a look. And you know, ICOM's you know sensitive item, and you got to get that thing back. There's, there's, you know, there was no question about that. We, at that point, we knew we were going in, and uh, I, I really didn't think of it uh, as like tunnel rat or anything. At that point, it was just kind of like a recovery operation. Right. Yeah, because tunnel rats. The f- what we all think of with tunnel rat, we think of Vietnam. Yeah. We think. Um, yeah, there's some movies that kind of put that in people's brains. Had you had any any training of any type or any experience of like shoving yourself down into a well? Mm, no, not into a well. Or a tunnel? Um, no, not, no, I, I can't say that I had at that point. Okay. I, I really had, you know what? I take that back. I had done some training and JRTC and Sugar Gordon. They have yep. tunnels down there, and I had done a little training uh, over there in JRTC, but uh, that was it. I remember those tunnels. Okay. Yep. Uh, so then you do like a 10th Mountain rappel down there. Yeah. Well, we literally just got a rope, hooked it to the uh, front of uh, one of our vehicles. And at that point, uh, I was just thinking I was going into a well. So, you know, stripped down and uh, just had my flashlight. And when I got to the bottom, um, it was a tunnel. It was, I mean, it was, it was a tunnel dug for water, but it was, it was a big enough that I could walk just kind of bent over. And I, I realized, and it was probably about two feet wide, about four feet tall. And it was just, the walls were clean cut. I I mean, it was beautiful. Uh, I wish I dug foxholes as beautiful as that tunnel was dug. It was, it was 
it was immaculate. And uh, the radio was just sitting on this little mound of dirt and all the water was, you know, washing around it. So we were good there. And at that point, I, I knew that was that just became, you know, a part of our security sweep. So and I wasn't about to go walking around with just a flashlight down there. So right. climbed out um, and had to make a contingency plan and start working out what we're going to do with this. So you, did you go back down? You said, "Oh yeah, absolutely," but oh, yeah. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to like yell uh, at that point because I realized what it was. So I just kind of picked up the the icom and then climbed back out. Uh, had the guys kind of pull me out on that rope, and then uh, once I got to the top, I you know I told everybody what was down there and uh, went to the uh, guy that was in in charge of our little operation there and and told him. And, you know, of course he had lots of questions and, and I really didn't have any answer other than it went really far, like further than my flashlight could shine. Yeah. And it and, uh, so did you have nods? With, say that again? Did you have nods? Did you have night vision goggles? I, I did at that time, but I didn't take my nods down into the well the first time. Uh, okay. first time I just went in with a flashlight and a rope, uh, cause I thought it was just a well and I figured I'd get to the bottom and it would be, you know, I don't know, like a, a rabbit hole in the bottom where water was washing through. Uh, I didn't realize it's going to be a, a huge tunnel like that. So second time we actually went down with um, uh, three people, one to stay at the uh, entry point and the other two would go off in one direction for um, we established we'd go in one direction for 15 minutes and then come back, go in the other direction for 15 minutes. And what kind of weapon did you have? The classic uh, flashlight, the nine mil. No, we didn't. Our, our medic had a nine mil, yeah. uh, but I wasn't about to take his. I mean, his nine mil. Um, my rifle had a, a light on, and I just figured I'd take that because it's already pointing. You know, as long as that flashlight's pointed, so is my weapon. So I might as well just take my M4 down there. It would have been nice to have a. I mean, I was with the Tenth Mountain. You don't have you know, a lot of you know sidearms with the the line infantry down there. If you're lucky, yeah. you got the uh, 240 gunner has a nine mil, uh, yeah. but that I mean that wasn't even the case in our platoon. So I just took my rifle. Okay. It wasn't too cumbersome down there because, like I said, I mean it was it was a nice clean cut uh, tunnel, and we moved in, in in one direction. And as we started getting closer uh, to another well opening, I realized that was you know, and plus the direction I was heading, I knew it was the uh, next compound over. And I could hear dogs barking. Uh, so I turned off my flashlight, turned on my nods, and kept moving until I got to the edge. And I just didn't want to breach that edge of the well just in case there was somebody looking down. I didn't want them, you know, seeing me or, or worse, just start dropping hand grenades because uh, I, I didn't know what was in that compound. We had just, we'd only been there a few hours. Yeah, crazy. And then started walking back in the other direction, you know, you know kind of keeping pace count so we could talk about it when we got out. I should have brought a compass down there. I didn't. Uh, I, I did uh, when I was in uh, my my second time I went down in tunnel. We did. I did have a compass on me, but that time I did not. Uh, other direction, uh, there was no compound near us, but we went in, in that direction for 15 minutes and then came back. Um, but that... Uh, there was no turns in it. It was just as as straight as could straight as possibly could be. And you know, despite having a, a flashlight and even nods, like it was just blackness. Yeah. How do you feel when you're down there by yourself? 
Um, I, I actually felt pretty comfortable. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't get all amped up. It was in the middle of the night. I, I really didn't think anybody uh, knew we were coming to begin with. We never heard any uh, ICOM chatter or anything, uh, nothing reports. Uh, aside from the dog, I think uh, hearing the dog and getting close to that other well was the only time I actually um, kind of got nervous and, yeah. you know, you know, thought about the consequences and whether or not I should pass it. Because um, I think when I got to that well, uh, I hadn't expired my 15 minutes yet. So I just kind of sat there and, you know, we conducted seals and but the dog just kept barking. So we sat there for a little bit until the dog kind of calmed down and then started creeping back. But it's 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 pretty tough to, to walk down there because we're about ankle deep in water. Yeah. Um, and so no matter what we did, we were kind of making a little bit of noise and the dog would hear it and start barking again. This is crazy. So you basically tried to move into a new area and found out that you had a, uh, you know, a, a legitimate underground structure for, for water and wells, but it, it ran the length of what you're getting ready to establish your base on top. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Dead center of it. It was, it was a, it was a high Avenue of approach. You could, I mean, you couldn't get people side by side, but you could, if we didn't know that tunnel existed, somebody could have easily, you know, infiltrated uh, without us knowing. So what do you do about it? Uh, so we discussed it and we, we talked about, you know, whether or not they would come through. And we talked about, you know, dragging Constantina wire down there. And uh, the guys, uh, those of us who actually went down there were like, nope, like, don't want to do that. I mean, I don't like dealing with Constantina wire on the surface, much less <laughs> yeah. in find areas. I was just like, that sounds like such a terrible idea. Uh, I was like, and then I told him, I was like, well, you know, even if we do bring that down there, that's only going to tell somebody who's looking that they're in the right area. Uh, and then I thought um, about how clean it was. I mean, that, that, that tunnel was made to keep water moving. So if we go putting stuff in there and the water gets backed up, they're going to send somebody down there to repair the tunnel. And then in which case they would find the Constantina wire. So we ended up uh, just finding a piece of, I just, like a, big piece of cloth it was just all torn up and dirty uh, it was laying in the compound and we covered the the hole the, the well hole with that and you know held it in place with some sandbags and then put a piece of plywood on top of it so if somebody was looking from the tunnel up they would see that you know dirty cloth uh, hopefully it would you know blend in with the dirt or what have you and then of course we just buried it and put sandbags and everything else on it and just May not not impossible to get through, but it, they wouldn't get through quietly. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. So two things. I mean, one, uh, there's a, it's a this is almost like identical to the story of uh, Kuchi in Vietnam. The the tunnel systems most people refer to about Vietnam, um, they actually put American base on top of that tunnel system before they realized there's a tunnel system there, and then it got so bad that they they the the Vietnamese stole a tank. And then people started to, to notice that there was something underneath them. There's that's you know, insane. Yeah, uh, it was crazy. Um, so I, and then the other thing was the rope. So the I've heard of some underground warfare experiments happening, and one of the things that you know the soldiers will request is winch systems for their vehicles, so that they could drop the winch rope down the tunnel system and use it to go up and down or you know, transport things up and down. 
you know, the, the yeah, that certainly would have made it a lot easier getting out of that well, that's for sure. Yeah. But all we had is a rope, and um, now I just kind of had the guys help pull me out. Okay. So, you know, you guys closed it up. It sounds like a pretty straightforward plan, and then it was never an issue, again, that you know of? No. Um, I, I know that all the compounds around there are, have been purchased and, and are, are now part of that base. Uh, I have no idea what happened with that tunnel. Um, we passed it on to the, the guys who relieved us and let them know. Uh, yeah. I seriously doubt they did anything other than cover that thing up. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, because you could think of, especially what's going on now today, you could think of tunnel bombs and I mean, that's already made oh, yeah. every point underneath. Well, I mean, even if you were to get in there and, and put an explosive, uh, unless they were to climb in and then put it, somehow prop it up it was about you know 20 feet yeah uh, so 15 that, 20 feet they would have to get it up there close to that and even then it's under you know two to three feet of sandbags all it's not gonna do much i mean you would have to put a lot yeah so yeah okay. I, I can't imagine like i mean you could fill that thing up it would it, it you could definitely make a mess i mean i was you know i was a charlie i know what explosives underground can do yeah and then, I mean, the, some of the, the, the ISIS tunnel bombs, have, I mean, they're one of the most, the things that fascinate me. And you probably know what it takes, but the amount of explosives they put underneath, like the uh, Syrian army headquarters that was in, set up in a hotel. I mean, it, it's the only time in his, recent history is, you know, relating back to like the Petersburg crater, the, the battle of the crater. I mean, that's like a level of explosives they shoved into that thing. So that was the first one, um, which is crazy. Um, I can't imagine. Um, but then you find yourself in a tunnel later, right? Yeah. Um, uh, second time, uh, I was with the uh, 3rd Special Forces Group. I was the uh, uh, 18 Charlie, the engineer. Uh, we'd done a uh, as an impromptu raid on a village. What year? And, uh, let's see here. That would have been 2011, 2012, something like that. And... Um, out there north of uh, uh, Kandahar, well over the mountains there, and um, found a Kerez. Uh, it was kind of the end of the Kerez, where you, I mean, it was it was like a, it's a water tunnel. Yeah, water tunnel. Okay. So they dig. They, I mean, they they dig these tunnels, you know, starting way down in the valley, and they dig it all the way up into the mountains, you know, keeping a, a gradual slope. And where this village was 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 the end of the Kerez. I mean, if you think about a cave, like if you're looking at a rock wall with a big, wide opening, this this was it. I mean, we, we saw it, and there's footprints leading in and out of it, and, you know, we knew it had to be cleared. Uh, so uh, when we first discovered it, I'm trying to remember who was with me. I can't remember who was with me initially, but we just did a cursory search to follow the footsteps, take a look around. Uh, we got in there, got to where... Um, where the opening was, it's you know that you started to not see light anymore, and then came back out and decided we need to explore it further. So, made a, uh, a a more thorough contingency plan if something did happen in there. Decided to take the uh, the canine crew with us, uh, one dog and and the handler, and me, okay. and. I just started walking in that, and this and this tunnel was big. Like, uh, the, it was 
really big. I mean, you could walk side by side in this one uh, initially for probably a couple hundred meters. And why, uh, why, why did you have to go into it? Just to search for men, weapons, and equipment, or something like? Yeah, um, we'd gotten in a, actually a pretty big uh, firefight in in that village. Okay. And uh, so me and the uh, dog handler started walking up in this thing and. It finally gets to a point where you can't walk side by side anymore. And the dog handler is trying to push his dog out in front of us. But, you know, after a couple hundred meters, uh, the dog can't see anymore. Uh, So finally, uh, he just kind of stays with the dog and we keep the dog with us. And uh, I took point and the dog was in between us. And at at some point it got to, uh, I don't know, probably about five or six hundred meters in, uh, uh, like a big boulder had fallen from the ceiling, like out of the ceiling. Uh, not while we we're there, not like Raiders of the Lost Ark or anything, but it was already laying there. And, and uh, uh, we just didn't feel comfortable, like, squeezing the dog over the top. Uh, uh, so I climbed over the top, uh, gave the dog handler a five-point contingency plan. Uh, <laughs> it's the basics, man. <laughs> you gotta- uh, and you're, so you're, how are you seeing at this – with a dog, oh, that's zero that's light. so are you white lighting it or uh, at this point, yeah, we're white lighting it because uh, okay. I because the dog just wasn't doing anything. The dog did not want to. Uh, when we did turn the lights out, the dog didn't want to go anywhere. He wanted to stay by the side. So we would white light, and the dog would walk, you know, far up, you know, far enough up ahead that we could just barely kind of see his tail. But even the dog would get uncomfortable and keep coming back to us. So uh, I just got tired because the I didn't like all the noise we were making. That to me, that was, um, and, and in this instance, I was kind of amped up a bit. Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, kind of nervous. And for me, it wasn't so much the light; it was the uh, the noise that we were making, because uh, I, I think that would that that noise travels farther than the light would, because uh, this this tunnel actually kind of curved and turned. So, um, at, at at some point, the the light would stop, but that noise would carry. So that's why um, at that boulder, I just kind of got tired of, you know, having the, the guy, the uh, dog handler, you know, talking to his dog. I was like, all right, here, check it out. You know, you stay here. Um, you know, Five-point contingency plan. You know, I'm, I'm going to be gone about 30 minutes. You know, if, if, I, if I don't come back in 30 minutes, you know, try and reach me on radio. Um, but the uh, radios worked uh, between us and down there but we did we had zero communication with up top yeah, uh, at that, yeah at that i think at that point it's we had already passed uh you know i was telling you uh that first one i was in there was other wells well with this one they had they had dug holes into the into the ceiling all the way to the surface and we had passed several of this and this was during the day uh when we were there so you know as we we're walking through there's there's spots where there's you know daylight coming down and once i got over that boulder i think I passed maybe a couple more and then they just disappeared. Uh, the tunnel got smaller and smaller to the point where I was actually, you know, crawling on my hands and knees. And after about, I don't know, five or six minutes of me crawling on my hands and knees, I, I, I saw no more signs of, of traffic. Uh, there was just dust, like old, old dust. Uh, no signs of like anything being drug. And I just decided there was, there was, nothing to find down there and you know turned around and came on back um so you think yeah, those, those uh those 
things up to the ceiling were air shafts, maybe? Um, they were either air shafts or they were wells for other people to get uh, water. I okay. If you look at it from a, a satellite view, because when we got back, uh, you know, to our compound, the first thing I did was you know pull up imaging to to take a look at that to see how far I had gone because uh, I didn't you know clearly the the GPS didn't work down there and I wasn't doing, you know, I wasn't taking a pace count, but I did have my compass down there and I was keeping track of that. Cause after I went around the first bend, I was like, Oh, this is, this is going to be a mess. I need to, <laughs> I need to pull out my compass and see which way I'm going. And just in case there's, you know, just in case, but uh, it just kind of wiggled. I think the reason they, they curved that one is because there was just huge rocks. It wasn't as, you know, nice clean digging. They run into a boulder and dig around it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think those were um, possibly. Uh, I, I don't think they're air shafts. I think they were dug to help get the dirt out because the only other way to get the dirt out would to be bring it all the way back out. Yeah. So I think at some point they were probably just lowering buckets, putting dirt in there, and then pulling it up and, and tossing it. And I'm sure you've seen, uh, you know, those, those the holes they have out there in Afghanistan. There's just like a mound of dirt around them. And uh, some of them, oh man, some of them look like that pit in, was it Return of the Jedi or no, uh, Jedi Strikes Back where yeah, Luke Skywalker has to jump out of it. I mean, they're just uh, a big hole. And I've, I've almost fallen into a couple of them at night, you know, running through villages and you, you just, you know, slip and you start sliding in there. And that, that's terrifying because you have no idea how deep that hole is. And lucky I've never fallen in one. I've come close, but. It's uh yeah, especially after being in in that one because some of those uh, some of those holes I passed by it was you know thirty or forty feet uh, okay. up to the surface. Is there anything you 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 know especially in this incident when you're um you know the the train has changed? Is there anything down there you felt you needed that you didn't have? I mean, we always talk about you you can't see, you can't navigate, you can't communicate with anybody. Um, but you I mean you had a plan. I mean, there was there something down there you think you would have made it you know less you know, made you less nervous made you know any other piece of gear hmm that's a good question man uh, I, I think I was pretty well prepared uh, with that I mean um, I think you know I think a uh, probably like a, a line like a yeah, uh, 550 cord. Cord, yeah like 550 cord to, to like tie off you know so at, at a at a minimum, you can you know you know tug and pull and, and find your way back if there are um, if there were like turns or something, just like your your caving. Um, yeah. That probably would have been a little more reassuring. Just you know have a, a spool, one of those giant spools of five fifty cord, uh, and at least uh, whoever's you know on the other end of that, they know how how far you've gone. And uh, I, I didn't I didn't like being out there by myself. I tell you that once I left the dog team behind, that was that was a little more nerve wracking because I knew if if there was somebody in there, it would have been, uh, you know, an ugly little firefight and hopefully I would have come out on top. But if I hadn't, I, I knew, um, <laughs> I, I knew it wasn't going to be pretty getting out of there. Crazy. Uh, and you said you, did you, did you go to MVG and like the IR function or anything like that? Or were you just straight white lighting it? No, uh, down there, I just white lighted it. Uh, it, it, by the time I'd left the uh, dog handler behind, that boulder was pretty much where all the, the signs of foot traffic had stopped. Uh, once yeah. I climbed over that boulder, I really didn't see anything. 
there was water, so I wasn't absolutely positive. Um, cause I mean, there's, there's dry spots, you know, here and there, but I never saw any footprints in those dry spots. Uh, like I had before that boat where I climbed over. Right. It sounds like that dog really wasn't trained for the underground. And some people think that, no, that, no, that, that dog was a bomb dog. Uh, yeah. and that's, that's kind of why we brought him down there where we thought that maybe they had used that to, you know, to cache some more of the HME hoping yeah. he would hit on something or maybe find a booby trap. But, um, no, he wasn't, you know, that dog was definitely not trained to, to do tunnel work. That's for sure. Um, and I think some people take that for granted that, you know, any military working dog is, is going to. It's a tool, man. Out. Right tool, right job. And, you know, yeah. dogs have, you know, the and right soldier for the right job. You, you know, you got to have the, the training and, and the skill set to handle it. And that dog was trained to find IEDs and that's what he did. Yeah. All right. So one story is crazy. Two stories, um, uh, maybe you're just unlucky, but uh, now you have a third time going underground, right? Yeah, you know, I, I find it strange that you know you haven't found more people because I, you know, I know of a lot of guys in third group who would who would climb down into wells, and yeah. uh, uh, especially guys who've been on the uh, commando missions. I guess some of that. Well, I guess they probably send their their Afghans into the wells more than them, but uh, just later in that deployment, we're in a is a, a much bigger village, uh, more spread out, and um, we were getting ICOM traffic everywhere and uh, found several, uh, several oh man, there was, I don't want to say tunnels, there were several wells all over the place, and some of them had steps leading down into them. So uh, one of the wells that we found uh, had steps leading down into it and uh, walked down in there uh, all the way up to the ledge where it dropped down. And this time we actually had uh, on our team, we had individual rappel kits. And, you know, thank God I carried mine with me. Uh, the, the engineers tend to carry a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, this, this time it came in handy and uh, rappelled down into, into this well and kind of got to a ledge where it, it didn't drop straight down. It kind of landed on a platform and then kind of shifted over about two feet and then went uh, down now straight down from there. But at that ledge, uh, there was some plastic sticking out. It, it, uh, it, to me, it looked like a, uh, uh, one of those plastic paper plate, uh, where they take two paper plates with, and coil the wires inside. They kind of make a pressure plate out of that and then tape it up. Um, uh, that's what I thought it was. And I, and you know, it's two paper plates. So it's kind of a very, finicky yeah, uh, if yeah. that is what it was you know it's a very finicky pressure plate and there was no way i was about to mess with it um so at that point um uh, i just put a charge down in there uh, well climb back out that's um got a charge brought it back down set it near the edge climbed out and uh, detonated that one but we'd found some uh, some openings to wells where uh, some of the other guys had found uh like walking down into some of these, uh, I, I keep saying wells, but they actually had like steps leading down underground and then the well would drop down where oh. guys had found uh, like cutouts in the wall where, I mean, if you imagine like a, a tunnel on the ground and they, you know, instead of, you know, building shelves, they just carve shelves out of the wall and, you know, find bags of ammo or an old rifle here or there. 
some of the guys that found that. And that's one of the reasons I went down into this one. And then I just, I wasn't comfortable going any further past that one. Yeah, no, uh, I think I took it for granted when you say, well, that you know, all these villages, basically most of them had to have a well and you can turn a well into a bomb proof shelter. I mean, it's an underground ready. Oh, yeah. you want. And I, I'm, I'm confident that that village, that's what those were. Cause those, those wells were you know, pretty well built. Uh, they're well carved out and the, the ground looked like people had walked there regularly. Yeah. Which uh, is why I went down in and why I came back out. So you just used some, you know, your own explosive, not a grenade, but a you know, C4 charge or whatever. No. Yeah. We just had, you know, no, we just had C4, um, uh, put a bunch of, uh, I think I put four or five together, uh, put it back down in there and set it neck as close to the ledge as I felt comfortable and then climb back out and detonated it. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, it's fascinating. So, I mean, your three stories kind of are like doctrinally like the different examples of kind of missions for tunnels, whether it's to map a tunnel, just to see what it is, clear a tunnel, uh, neutralize a tunnel, Vietnam, they just dropped down like three grenades all at once and just try to close the opening just so it isn't a threat, you know, yeah. at that at that time. Um, it's crazy. Well, I tell you, uh, you know, thinking back now, like when I did detonate that that charge, like you could see plumes coming up from from the other wells. So they, they were connected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, so I think a lot of people – one time, you know, you say a lot of people have faced their challenges, but I, I've found that, you know, it's still hard for me to find um, people that have faced the challenges. And some of that, some of this kind of common field expedient remedies to challenges is, is I'd say, I'm not say lost, but I don't see it in doctrine of you know, e- even dropping grenades to close a tunnel or, you know, the 550 cord to, you know, to repel yourself down, all these different things. Or not, to, I mean, to, you to tie off to yourself. So if there's turns and tunnels, you can at least go back the way you came. Yeah. But who carries us? I mean, this, you know, who carries a spool of 550 cord on a raid, you know? It's- right. Yeah. Yeah. Raids are different. So sometimes you, that, and I think this is the challenge that we face on what is the, what, it, what are you going to do about the tunnel? If you find it, you know, it, it depends, you met TC, you know, the whole mission. Um, is this something you found, like you said, like on your, underneath you at your, you know, your patrol base or whatever it is, or is this something you find on a raid that which you know you're only going to be on objective for a short amount of time? Um, do you need to clear it? Like you, like the your second mission where you you need to clear the area of operation. You know, the that's kind of your mission is to clear it. Um, or can well, you just with that last one? Now it, it was our mission to clear it, but um, I, I think all of us were in agreement at that time, like to to get down in there. Uh, we may have found something we may not uh we may have lost somebody but we had i mean we were already getting to uh getting close to the point where we're about to exfil so it yep. just you know it you know it's just something you had to balance you know especially with time because we weren't planning on staying there if that was somewhere we were going to uh exploit for you know 24 48 hours yeah absolutely that's that's something that you know we would have you know we would have had now, 550 cord or something flown in. I mean, well, it was a village. We could find some rope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we find, yeah, we, yeah, we used all kinds of stuff for, yeah. 
Yeah, finding yeah, utilizing local tools actually helps a lot. You know, shovels, pickaxes, because you don't carry those things, and you put them to good use. And but yeah, if we we're gonna uh, exploit that area for you know twenty four forty hours, we definitely would have taken the time to get down in into those because they were everywhere. And as a matter of fact, that raid we had we had pretty much gone dry on all our C four and one of the uh, one of the other ODAs that was there. He he, he had a he had one RPG that he'd found and uh, trying to figure out how to, you know, blow it up. And I told him I'll just tape a grenade to it and throw it down the well, you know, and that's, that's what we did. Nice. Just trying to get rid of everything, you know, take care of, you know, two birds with one stone. Yeah. Well, um, these three stories are amazing. And I'm telling you, I've, I've put out some calls and I haven't, you know, there's some people just, you know, I just can't find the right, person or they don't want to talk but to find a basically a modern day tunnel ride is pretty pretty cool for me i think the story i think a lot of listeners are going to really be interested in the story yeah i really never considered myself a tunnel rat i mean uh, it it was just i don't know it's just part of the job you know it's just something i had to do when i you know i think of tunnel rats i think of somebody with an l-shaped flashlight and a 45 going head first into yeah. you know a junk you know a hole in the jungle that's uh you know, and right. I, I just never, you know, I had a headlamp or, you know, light on, light on my pistol when I was with the uh, special forces, but, you know, going down there with a rifle was, you know, it, it just didn't feel like a tunnel rat. It just, you know, I don't know, felt like just part of the job. No, I, 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 I hear you. And I think these are stories are important though, because when, when that next person who hasn't been through a engineering tunneling school, cause we don't have one right now, but, um, maybe he'll be able to remember something that was said in this story and go, okay, I, I need to take a compass with me or I need to, you know, I need to think about yeah. this. Oh man, a, a wrist compass. You know, that's, that's what I had. Just one of those Ranger Joe wrist compasses that you, you know, that glow in the dark, you use your flashlight to charge it up. And that's what I kept on me. And, uh, I, I've given up and I've gone to a smartwatch, but uh, <laughs> it has a compass function, but if it runs out of batteries, I'm sucking. Um, yeah. No, I mean, the other bases are there, too. I mean, you, you, your stories tell you, I mean, you're still going to need a pace count while you're down there. You're still going to, yep. I mean, the five point, people are going to have to have a plan if you, you don't come back in a little bit. Um, yeah, and I, it's just, it's just such a, it's just such a horrible plan. It's like, if I don't come back, uh, try and reach me on radio. Yeah. Uh, if you can't reach me on radio, Start walking down here. Walk for fifteen minutes. If you don't see me after fifteen minutes, climb out and go tell somebody. And that was pretty much our plan, you know. And I was hoping it didn't come to that. Thank God it didn't. Yeah. All right. Well, Rock, I really appreciate your story, and I, I think it's gonna. It fascinates me, and I think it's gonna fascinate a lot of listeners. All right. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Take care, man. Thanks for listening to the Urban Warfare Project podcast. The podcast is produced by the Modern War Institute at West Point. What you hear in each episode are the views of their participants and do not represent the positions of West Point, the Army, or the U.S. government. You can subscribe to the Urban Warfare Project podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to check out NDY's other podcasts, as well as the new articles we're publishing every day on our website. Thanks again for listening.